May I speak to you in the name of one God who is creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. Good morning. I am not a very good sleeper. I haven't been for years. And I can admit I'm often part of the problem. I check emails. I look at Facebook. I chase rabbit holes on the internet. Before I know, it is 3 in the morning. But there are also times when all the screens are off and put away and my mind will simply not stop racing. Sometimes I lie awake at night wrestling with some serious things. But it isn't exclusive to nighttime. There are days when I am consumed, often pleading with God for help with whatever is eating away at my soul. When was the last time you really wrestled with something? And I don't mean wrestling in a physical sense. I'm talking about this hand-wringing, gut-wrenching, keeps-you-up-at-night wrestling. Maybe it's an important decision, a conflict at work or with your spouse or with your child. Maybe you're having money problems. Maybe you're waiting for that call from your doctor that could mean everything. Maybe in all those things, you are wrestling with God. I have a special affinity for Jacob in today's Old Testament reading. He wrestled with problems his whole life. He wrestled with his identity. He wrestled with big feelings of inferiority and a need for affirmation and approval. I share these struggles with Jacob. And although I don't have a magic potion to fix these things, I have found through experience that there is wisdom and peace to be found in Scripture. So in today's reading, I found hope and reassurance through three main themes, and I wonder if you will too. Number one, God meets us in our struggles. God blesses us when we don't deserve it. And God gives us a new identity in Christ Jesus. So let's set the scene for where we enter our passage today. We find Jacob at a turning point. He is heading home, back to the land of his father after 20 years away his past sins threatening to catch up with him. But Jacob has a choice. He can face up to what waits for him, or he can do what he has done in the past and turn tail and run. Jacob was the son of Isaac and Rebekah and the grandson of Abraham. So he kind of had a big legacy to fill there. We know that God promised Abraham to make him the father of many nations. Jacob was a man of strong will. 
In fact, his name in Hebrew means heel grabber or supplanter or to take what belongs to someone else. From birth, he began to live into this name when he grabbed his twin brother Esau's heel during their delivery so that Jacob, not his brother, would be the favored firstborn son. He wasn't successful that time. But he wanted his way and pushed or pulled to get, by, to get it by whatever means necessary. And by all accounts, we know that Jacob and Esau were very different. Esau was a hunter, an outdoors man, large in stature, and Jacob was smaller and possessed a more, while strong-willed, a more genteel personality. Isaac preferred Esau over Jacob, and he didn't hide his feelings. As a result, Jacob struggled with inferiority throughout his life. He seemed determined to get affirmation from Isaac, even if he had to be a little bit sketchy about it. He so desperately wanted that blessing from his father. When Isaac was old and blind, Jacob pretended to be Esau, and he went into his father's room and asked him to pronounce the blessing. Jacob told his father he was Esau. So Isaac blessed Jacob, and as you can imagine, when Esau found out about it, he was furious and he threatened to kill his brother. So Jacob's only option at that point was to flee and start a life for himself away from his family. He traveled to the land of his mother's ancestors where he spent 20 years living and working for his father-in-law, Laban. Now Jacob was always looking for ways to acquire the next best thing that he thought would bless him and validate him. So he married not one, but two of Laban's daughters. Then one night Jacob had a vision from God telling him it was time to return to his homeland, the land of his father, the land of his brother who wanted to kill him. So Jacob loads up his family, his possessions, and thousands of livestock, which he may or may not have tricked Laban into giving to him, and heads on his way. As he approaches home, Jacob sends out some messengers to Esau. And when they return, they tell him that Esau is approaching with 400 men. Now, friends, this was not likely to be a welcoming party. Jacob was terrified. You see, Jacob was guilty, and he knew he was guilty of what he did to Esau. Up until this point, Jacob had relied on his own wits for his success, but now he didn't know what would happen. His survival was dependent on his brother's forgiveness. Jacob's own survival was not under his control. Now, many theologians categorize what comes next as a conversion story, and I agree with that. But I believe it is more a story of redemption 
and grace and mercy. Jacob was a swindler. We know that. We also see throughout Genesis that Jacob loves God and has at least two additional encounters with God before that night on the banks of the river. We all know his dream of the ladder to heaven and, of course, the vision of God telling him it's time to go home to his brother. What we don't see is Jacob realizing that he needs God. He fails to realize that he must give up control to gain the truest kind of relationship with God. Now, I don't know about you, but God does his best work in me when I'm struggling or in the ditch, as I like to say. I can think of so many times when I've been virtually paralyzed by grief, fear of the unknown, or lack of confidence in my abilities. And I think Jacob and I have these things in common. While I have never had a physical altercation with God, I have had clear moments where God has assured me of his presence and of his love. He is with us in our struggles just like he was with Jacob. Even when we don't feel him, even when we turn away from him, he is there and he will always be there. God pursues us just like he pursued Jacob. God was the initiator of this encounter that we read of and that is an important point. Jacob was stewing in his own anxiety over Esau and his likely death when God showed up. And the wrestling drew Jacob out of his fearful preoccupation and forced him to focus on God. God met Jacob during his struggle, just like he meets you and me. Entangling with God, Jacob forgoes the forms of aggression that he has cultivated as an adult and fights openly and persistently to get what he most wants, remember? What has haunted him his entire life, a blessing. After wrestling all night, Jacob, who must have been physically exhausted, comes full circle in his desire for affirmation and for approval. Jacob would no longer be known as one who received his blessing by deception. This time, he received God's blessing by prevailing with God by faith, by humbling himself in the presence of God, by relinquishing a sense of control, and he realized that he needed a savior. And what was the blessing that God gave Jacob? It was a new identity, a name change. God says to Jacob, what is your name? And Jacob tells him. It's not that God didn't know that Jacob was his name. God wanted Jacob to say it because Jacob's name wrapped up everything that Jacob had been up to that point in his life. 
Jacob is not just saying his name, but stating everything he knows to be true about himself. Supplanter. Trickster. Someone who takes things that aren't theirs. Jacob knows full well who he is and where he has come from. Stating his name can be seen as an act of confession. And he is free to take on everything God has destined for him to become. From now on, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel. Israel, one who wrestles with God. Jacob was redeemed. He received his blessing despite his past. God gave to Jacob exactly what he needed. He gave him the affirmation and blessing he had been chasing for his whole life. Then he gave him a physical reminder in his hip so that Jacob will remember where his blessing came from. And I have never broken a hip. I don't know about any of y'all, but I have seen it. And I can't imagine how Jacob could have gotten up and walked away from that confrontation. But he did. God could have easily overpowered Jacob, but he didn't. It is that act that I believe points us directly to the cross. Certainly, Jesus could have escaped, but he willingly laid his life down to rescue us from a debt that we couldn't pay. Genesis 32 becomes one of the first pictures that we have of how God would redeem us through Jesus Christ. And though he was the almighty king, he allowed himself to be overcome for our sake, that we might be free and live with him forever. That we would know that God himself is our blessing. We can be free to leave our Jacob identities behind and accept a new identity in Christ. I've spent the better part of my life wrestling with God. And if I'm honest, I still wrestle with him. I wrestle with him over how different aspects of my life have played out, over some big decisions for the future, over one more friend diagnosed with cancer, over great disappointment and sadness hovering around the people that I love and respect. It's funny, though, because for some reason, as frustrated as I have been with God, I just can't walk away. If anything, I'm drawn closer. I realize that is entirely the opposite of normal human behavior. I'm still here, wrestling, because I know he will give me an answer. I know he was always with me, and I am confident in my identity. I have learned from my own wrestling matches. God doesn't show up the way I necessarily want him to. He doesn't make an appointment. 
He can show up in the middle of the night and in the middle of the day. Because God knows that after we have wrestled a bit, we will find comfort. Our faith will be increased and we will be changed because of that intimate encounter with our Heavenly Father. Even if we walk away with a limp. Amen.